Hey folks, just a quick note to let you know you can now support the podcast by shopping on Amazon.com. Just go to the specific page on Nerdist.com for this episode, click on the Amazon banner and shop as you normally would, and Daddy gets a taste. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Got some upcoming shows to tell you about. November 6th, 2014 at The Hangar in Atlanta. November 7th and 8th, I'll be at the Scruffy City Comedy Festival in Knoxville doing fanfic and stand-up. Uh, November 13th and 14th at Hell Yes Fest in New Orleans, also fan fiction and stand-up. Uh, November 23rd at the Funhouse in Portland. And today we've got round one from a show recorded August 29th, 2014 at the Rendezvous Theater in Seattle, where I will be back on November 20th, 2014. But today, let's listen back to the last Seattle show featuring Emmett Montgomery, Douglas Gale, Sean Murphy, and Jennifer Burdett reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing. Enjoy. All right, and please welcome your first round one comic who's brought a prepared piece this evening, and it's Sean Murphy, ladies and gentlemen. Sean motherfucking Murphy. Thank you. All right, this story is entitled Final Jeopardy. (laughs) Alex left the set feeling drained. A day full of stating facts to overzealous lawyers, writers, and teachers trying to be the first to ring in with what is Estonia will do that to you. More and more, the longtime host found himself phrasing the question, what's the point? (laughs) Sure, he's the face and former mustache of one of the most successful game shows of all time, but days like this left him feeling like a clue machine. As with nearly every episode, the small talk after the first commercial break was void of any human emotion. Even worse, opportunities to subtly belittle the intelligence of contestants were few and far between. And after decades on the job, those ego-deflating ad-libs were all that was keeping the old man around. That and his post-show ritual. Back when Jeopardy was a must-watch and Trebek had his mustache, Elk... I like that one. (laughs) Ale called the shots at the studio. It was during that heyday that he ordered a hot tub to be installed in his dressing room. Since then, the jacuzzi has acted as everything from a pool of solitude and reflection for a clue-weary host to a salon for some of the more successful and attractive competitors over the years. Ken Jennings will even stop by for a soak whenever he's in town. Rumor has it he has a nameplate across the seat from Trebek. Alex certainly has gotten his enjoyment out of what was intended as a joke, but this evening would prove to be one unlike any other. Alex opened the door to his dressing room and was startled to find someone had beat him into the water. The familiar face called out from across the room, It's already warm, Al. Come on in. Never one to be tongue-tied, the confusion and excitement of the moment left Alex at a loss for words. Standing nude amidst the bubbles was fellow post-news pre-primetime game show personality, Vanna White. (laughs) You shouldn't be here. What's Sajak going to think? Alex finally stammered. He can go say Jack himself. I'm not here to talk about that goofy-looking fuck. 
Neglecting to question why she arrived in the dressing room after all these years, Alex lost his ingrained Canadian modesty in an instant, tore off his suit, and bounded towards the jacuzzi. He had dreamed of this moment often. For decades, the two had passed each other like boats in the night, each on their own journey to game show hosting stardom. But now those boats had come to harbor, and Alex was more than ready to drop anchor. <laughs> After embracing at the edge of the tub, Alex was quick to get things moving. Standing nude and erect, he flashed that infamous smile and declared, you've turned this clue into a daily double. (laughs) Vanna wasn't quite as amused as he had hoped, but the consummate host yes-anded. Without breaking eye contact, White responded, well then let's make it a true daily double, Alex. The already maxed out jets of the jacuzzi seemed to intensify as Vanna used those magical hands of hers to light up his D. That's amazing. That's amazing. Trebek began to return the favor while whispering dirty talk, all phrased in the form of questions. (laughs) What is my name? How do you How do you like it? What is Ulysses? The last one was an accident. Having just left work, the host was clearly out of his wits. But Vanna hardly noticed as Alex gave her Trebek to Beck orgasms. <laughs> you didn't have to buy that O, Alex Gray. Alex joked as they collapsed into the frothing water Vanna wasted no time in straddling Trebek while he announced it's time for double jeopardy and Vanna you control the board indeed she did putting Alex into position after position many of which defied their combined age of 131 Vanna exhibited that dexterity she was so well known for, leaving Alex bewildered as they moved from position to position in the way Arthur Chu made his way across the Jeopardy board. He was an old guy that annoyed a lot of people. That guy got it. Oh, an old guy? No, he was a... Whatever. The two were unleashing decades of pent-up sexual tension. So much so that if Ken Jennings were to know what occurred that day, he may never return to the tub. I'd like to solve the puzzle, Alex joked as he rammed Vanna with rapid thrusts like a Jeopardy contestant with a buzzer desperate for that 2,000-point clue. (laughs) Yes, yes, she screamed. Light up that V. Vanna was certainly in... (laughs) It's the same joke. (laughs) Vanna was enjoying herself, but she was also beginning to tire of the entendres. Using those magical hands once again, she started to finish Trebek off. Alex could feel himself getting close and began the finish the only way he knew how. Do, 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 do. Vanna found it a bit strange, but quickly joined in. Do, 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 do. The two sang in unison with a backbeat of jacuzzi bubbles. Do, 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 do. As they reached the final do, Alex unleashed his goo. And turned Vanna into a whole new kind of white. 
<laughs> Neither had felt this alive in years, and the hot tub was filled with, among other things, excitement and exhaustion as the two held each other amongst the bubbles. Suddenly, there was a knock at the door. Alex assumed it to be a crew member. Vanna was sure it was that dipshit Sajak. Before Trebek had a chance to respond, the door burst open, and both were surprised when in rolled none other than Watson. <laughs> The robot was designed for Jeopardy's 21st century John Henry Man vs. Machine competition. (laughs) But had apparently developed both an ability to move independently, as well as a prodigious sex drive. (laughs) Alex had been unaware of Watson's developments, and once again was left speechless. Vanna appeared eager. Having worked with a machine her whole life, she was willing to try some play. (laughs) Well, 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 Watson admitted. Is there room for a third? The host realized that despite its ability to recall information, Watson lacked a fundamental understanding of electrical conductivity. Intrigue quickly turned to fear as the giant toaster that could Google hurtled towards the tub. (laughs) Vanna, who had stood to greet the love machine, used her quick-as-light reflexes to dive out of the water. But Alex was not so lucky. Frozen, despite the hotness of the tub, Alex was unable to respond in the form of a question, declarative statement, or otherwise. Watson, unwittingly loaded with more energy than Trebek had used in all of his years on an electronically lavish game show set, crashed into the jacuzzi, tipped in, and made that day truly the final Jeopardy. (laughs) Thank you. Sean Murphy. Our body count is at two, and that's only the first piece. Let's uh, keep it over Jennifer Burdett, ladies and gentlemen. Jennifer Burdett. All right. This is a diary entry. Matt Hooper, Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute, Amity Island, fishing vessel Orca, July 7th, 1975. What I'm about to write is purely for myself. Please let it have no bearing on my research whatsoever. The situation on the Orca has become rough. I feel that things may deteriorate into chaos. It is with much trepidation that I share the events of last night. Seeing that we may not have much more time, I feel it best. We were in the cabin. After dinner and after countless shots of quince moonshine, things got loose. We began to regale each other with stories of seamanship. Quint and I compared our scars. Then something happened. Quint and I shared a moment. It was when we both had our legs up on the table. He put his front tooth back in and our eyes met. (laughs) Frozen in time for a moment, I knew he felt it too. Thankfully, Chief Brody didn't notice. I do regret inquiring about his tattoo. What a bummer. I waited until Brody passed out and made my move. Quint had taken to standing by the captain's wheel. He would drink and smoke and wait for the barrels to come up. I took a chance. He downed his cup and pinched out his cigarette. I slid my hands into his filthy army jacket. He guided my head to his waist. This is what I had been dreaming about. This was my sea monster. (laughs) 
when I unzipped what were no doubt his only pair of trousers. (laughs) It was like cracking an oyster. His cock smelled like old rope and wet pocket change. (laughs) And surprisingly also raisins. Immediately, I was concerned about my bite radius. No wonder he was such an asshole. He could afford to be with this glorious hog between his legs. 13-incher. I could tell by licking from the dorsal to the tail. I spit on his voluminous balls and laid them over my eyes like a diving mask. Then I leaned into that briny monster. I worked it hard. And while I did, I imagined that his cock had eaten vacationing children. I imagined that his cock had eaten big-titted coeds named Chrissy and Missy. And that his cock needed to be defeated so that it would be safe to go back into the water. And I could tell that he was into it. He softly sang to the top of my head. Farewell and adieu to you, dear Spanish ladies. I nuzzled his sack, and I sang back, Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. He sang the second verse to my song. I hummed. And where it breaks into harmony, his shaft was as taut as the belly of a mako. What had been my boyish scrotal diving mask retreated into his graying scruff. Just then, the barrels popped up. It was just the nudge he needed. When he came, it knocked me clean back into the deck of the boat. I clattered into compressed air canisters and a dismantled anti-shark cage. And as I wiped my chin, I thought to myself, fuck, we are going to need a bigger boat. (laughs) (laughs) Jennifer Burnett. Keep it going for Emmett Montgomery. Johnson sat in the boardroom with others with a mixture of dread and excitement for he knew what happened here would mark his destiny for the rest of his time at General Mills. (laughs) One of two things happened after the annual priority account seminar. You either got a nice office upstairs with a window or your co-workers got to see grim-faced security guards clear out your desk. Either way, he would not be returning to the cubicle he had slaved at as a junior executive for so long. And he was going to make sure it was the former, not the latter. He saw the same intense look of determination on the faces of the five men and six women who were also summoned to that boardroom, waiting for Richards, the vice president of of special projects, to speak. As you know... General Mills is so much more than a maker of delicious foodstuffs and food accessories. 
we like to consider ourselves a powerful force of good. We aren't just looking to feed people. We're trying to change the world for the better at whatever the cost. (laughs) Johnson nodded. He had heard this all before. And this is what he completely believed in, in his heart. One of the many ways we do this is through our food enhancement programs that allow the common peon to dine like kings. Most specifically, our hamburger, chicken, and tuna tuna helper products. Johnson's stomach growled and his mouth salivated at the mention of his childhood staple and favorite family feast. Richards continued, this brand would not be successful if it wasn't championed by a mascot that made everyone feel safe. Lefty, the helping hand. (laughs) Johnson was filled with nostalgia as he thought about the delightful talking four-digit glove with his red clown nose and his (laughs) kind eyes and smile. (laughs) Lefty, has worked hard for decades, so we do our best to compensate him for his efforts. But he has never wanted money. All he wants is love. (laughs) And this is why you are all here today. Wait! Peters, the youngest junior executive in the room, interrupted from across the table. You are talking about him like he is real. I thought he was just a cartoon or some sort of puppet. There is no such thing as cartoons and puppets. That is a lie that the government feeds people so they don't realize how big the world really is. (laughs) Richard sneered with a contempt that was usually reserved for people who thought that the moon landing was actually happened. I need you all to take this seriously. The fate of the company and the continued happiness of millions of consumers depend, depends on what is going to happen over the next few hours. I need you to be brave and open your hearts and your minds. And most importantly, I need you to love. And with that, Richards left, leaving the 12 junior executives staring at each other with surprise and confusion. Before anyone could say anything, the light started to flicker. And the flicker was accompanied by a slight but noticeable shake of the walls. And then there were 13 in the room. What's cooking, guys? A familiar voice asked. Lefty looked exactly like he did in the commercials, except for one detail. He was six feet tall. (laughs) They must have used false perspective, Johnson thought to himself. For unlike Peters, he was fully aware of the ways TV and film could lie to people and had a firm grasp of reality. (laughs) All eyes were on the mascot as it disrobed and as the glove hit the floor. Gone was the clown nose, but the eyes and mouth remained, (laughs) grinning and gazing from what would best be described as a phallic four-headed hydra, (laughs) a quartet of ropey, writhing members (laughs) swaying to a rhythm that couldn't be heard but instead felt the quartet 
of urethras rhythmically blinking to this secret song. This was all very exciting to Johnson. He hadn't ever seen a penis before, even his own. He always showered in the dark in order to eliminate distraction from his goal of being a successful businessman. (laughs) His body started to dance with the engorged kraken standing before him, his sphincter and pee hole tightening and releasing, his cock hardening and pulsing, his clothes tightening to the point he had to be released from them. In his periphery vision, he could see that he was not alone in this, and everyone disrobed. Love me, Lefty said, and they did. (laughs) And they were ready to. They were ready to be drowned in that throbbing sea of dicks, to swallow them in every opening, to become a tangled, erect, sopping fuckball. <laughs> fuckball. But then the lights flickered and the walls shook and Righty arrived. <laughs> and then the party truly started. <laughs> Everyone who survived the meeting went on... went on to have very successful careers at General Mills. Those whose hearts weren't overwhelmed, who remembered to breathe through their noses at the appropriate time, whose brains did not hemorrhage out of ecstasy, would occasionally meet in the company cafeteria over a plate of spicy mac or beef stroganoff and make small talk. No one would mention the experience they shared, but Johnson could feel the pride they all had of the time they made the world a better place and taught their bodies how to love. And when he went home and looked in the mirror, he did not just see a hero and a rising corporate star, but a face with eyes that were really just windows to a fun haunted house full of fuck ghosts of monster penises. (laughs) And that was pretty cool. (laughs) Emmett Montgomery. And your final round one competitor, Douglas Gale. All right. Uh, For mine, I did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, Of course, spelled with uh, three X's in Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy had just defeated the evil blue dude with the big hammer. They did this... They did this apparently by holding hands because uh, no matter how gay that sounds, uh, teamwork and friendship always trumps evil. But the... (laughs) Probably liked it. But the thing they never show you in the movies is that defeating evil makes you horny. Really, really horny. Like vacation sex times a million horny. They all felt it, jammed together in their spaceship, the stirring in their loins, the hunger. Drax, a shirtless steroid freak with red tattoos, was the first to address it. I find that killing people increases my desire for sex. Who wants the honor of fucking Drax the Destroyer? I am Groot, said a tiny stick with a face and a high-pitched voice. Drax ignored him. 
Star-Lord, your anachronistic music and awkward yet endearing dance moves have given me an erection. Drax pointed to his hard and throbbing penis. It looked like a beer can made out of muscle and covered in scars. (laughs) Will you not fillet me while I think about choking my enemies to death with my bare hands? (laughs) Ah, no, dude, gross, said Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, a.k.a. Doofus McScruffface. (laughs) Star-Lord wasn't against sucking a man's dick, especially when he was this turned on. But at the moment, Peter wasn't given alien psychopathic bl- psychopath a blowjob horny. <laughs> Quill shifted uncomfortably in his chair to hide his own growing erection. Put your dumb alien dick away. Today isn't given alien psychopathic a blowjob a day. Uh, today isn't given alien psychopath a blowjob day. I fucked that up. All right. Um, <laughs> fine. I shall retire to my bunk and shoot my seat out the airlock again. Drax stormed off in a huff. Man, that space hole is crazy, said Rocket Raccoon, his own needle dick hardened to its almost three inches. But he makes a good point. Rocket jumped over to Gamora. So, what do you say, Miss Mean and Green? You want to go for a ride on my pocket rocket? He lewdly thrusted his CGI hips towards her face. (laughs) What the fuck is that, she yelled, pointing at his weird raccoon prick. That? That's little Rocky. I know he's small, but he gets the job done. Ain't that right, little Rocky? He asked his penis, flicking it with one of his claws, which made an odd tapping sound. Star-Lord stood up horrified. Dude, first of all, I never thought I'd ever have to say this again in my life, but put your dumb alien dick away. (laughs) And second, what the hell was that noise? What, this? Asked Rocket, banging his wang against the hull of the ship. It sounded like someone hitting a piece of steel with a raccoon's penis. <laughs> That's my boner. 2.9 inches of bone-powered loving. He whacked it against the ship again. Clang, clang, clang. Are you saying that your penis uh, is made out of bone? Asked Star-Lord. That's fucked up, man. <laughs> of course it's made out of bone. That's why it's called a boner, said Rocket. No, that's, that's just a word. Boners aren't made out of actual bone. Look, Star-Lord pulled out his own rock-hard space wiener. See? All flesh. He slapped his pork sword against the console, thus proving he's the kind of moron that would hit his dick against a piece of metal to make a point. <laughs> like many terrestrial mammals, mammals, the raccoon does indeed have a bone in its penis, said the ship's computer that you never heard during the movie because it didn't come up. <laughs> The bone is called a baculum. It allows the animal to copulate with a female for extended periods of time. That's right, said Rocket. Little Rocky here can keep the fuck diner open for 24 hours. (laughs) If you know what I mean. Clang, clang, clang. (laughs) Gamora scoffed. Yeah, you guys probably need that because even a raccoon doesn't want to fuck a raccoon. (laughs) Not true, shouted Rocket. Ask any of the hundreds of women. The baculum of a raccoon is also curved at the end, allowing it to hook into the cervix of a female. <laughs> that makes it more difficult for her to escape during mating. The computer interrupted with solid scientific facts and impeccable comedic timing. <laughs> what? No, 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 shouted Gamora, backing away from the furry little fuck monster. You keep your goddamn hook cock away from me. Rocket hopped down and walked towards Gamora, his curved sex bone bouncing menacingly in front of him. Hey, come on, as long as you're careful, it rarely gets stuck in someone's throat. Ask any of the... Gamora kicked Rocket, sending him sailing down the corridor with a yelp. She pushed a conveniently located giant red button that sealed the bridge. After the doors closed, Quill stood up, stroking his relatively normal-looking schlong. Gamora stared at it with hungry sex eyes. Looks like it's just you and me, she said in a voice that promised two orgasms and maybe even anal. 
<laughs> you and me and that gorgeous pink fuckstick. How about we... I am Groot, said the squeaky voice plant thing. <laughs> Shut up, hissed Star-Lord as Gamora unzipped her space shirt. Whoa, your boobs are green, he exclaimed. <laughs> of course they're green, stupid. I'm green. Now get over here and suck at my broccoli tits. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let's get some tunes going. Star-Lord put on a cassette tape labeled Awesome Mix Volume 2. He started doing a goofy dance to whatever dumb 70s song started playing. <laughs> After a few minutes of straining his likability with charming dance moves, <laughs> he noticed Gamora's arms were folded across her melon-colored melons. <laughs> What's wrong, baby? asked Star-Lord, shaking his hips and wiggling his cock in a way that he thought was sexy but totally was not. Do you really think I want to listen to your dead mother's favorite music while we fuck, asked Gamora? (laughs) Hey, thinking about my mom dying of cancer is a real boner killer, Peter pointed at his penis. It was now more limp and flaccid than the Sony reboot of the Spider-Man franchise. (laughs) That's exactly my point, screamed Gamora. Her chest heaved, and Quill's cock started to harden again. Turns out he likes getting yelled at by a topless alien woman. And why the hell did you wait 20 years to open it? How dumb are you? Yeah, I'm a real dum-dum, Peter said, rubbing his fuck nozzle, thinking this was some kind of kinky role-playing thing. Before Gamora could reply, there was a flash of light, and a sexy, bald, blue cyborg woman was standing on the bridge. It was Nebula, who I guess had access to some kind of teleportation device that also never came up during the movie. (laughs) Nebula, what are you doing here? asked Gamora. Hello, dear sister, Nebula said, walking seductively to Gamora. I know how how horny you get after a job. Even though we were on opposite sides of this one, I didn't see why that should get in the way of a little post-mission space sex. She pinched one of Gamora's nipples. Gamora moaned in pleasure. But, but, we're sisters, Gamora weakly protested as Nebula started licking and sucking her green gumdrops. Adopted sisters, said Nebula, sliding her hand down Gamora's body and between her legs. Besides, she whispered in her ear, that never stopped you before. Nebula saw Quill jerking his space dong in in stunned silence. Oh, it looks like you even have a plaything ready for me. What's your name, human? Nebula asked in a voice that promised three orgasms and anal for sure. (laughs) Uh, I I don't remember, stammered Star-Lord, his brains all scrambled with sex thoughts. I am Groot, said the mutant tweak thing, getting on everyone's last nerve. <laughs> no matter, said Nebula. Come here, you half-assed Han Solo wannabe. <laughs> See if you can pleasure two daughters of Thanos before dying of a heart attack. Star-Lord was thrilled at the prospect of pounding some green alien pussy. Like a real starship captain, he thought. Just like Captain Kirk. Yeah! Con! Peter yelled because he's functionally retarded and leapt towards the two women. <laughs> Clearly rolling a natural 20, he landed cock first. (laughs) His pulsating love saber plunging deep into the heart of Gamora's yearning yearning fuck jungle. Nebula pulled off her robot pants, exposing her bald blue slit. She also had weird cyborg shit down there. (laughs) Ah, gross, thought Star-Lord. I'm not putting little Lord Fuck Leroy in there. I am Groot, said Groot. Perfect, said Star-Lord, picking Groot up out of the pot by his roots. I am Groot, tried to say. (laughs) Let me finish! I am Groot, tried to say before finding himself all up in those cyborg guts. 
Oh, yes, Moan Nebula. I've never fucked a tree before. Harder, you stupid plant monster. Harder. Two tiny hands sprung from the top of Groot and grabbed Nebula's smooth blue ass. He pushed and pulled himself in and out of her dangerously wet pussy. I say dangerous because of her robot parts. Um, (laughs) For his part, Star-Lord had managed about nine pumps before he fired his forward phaser banks. Excelsior, he yelled for no reason. (laughs) Squirting several servings of creamy ranch dressing into Gamora's green salad. (laughs) If you know what I mean. (laughs) For Gamora, this was definitely the worst lay of her life, but she had been furiously rubbing her little tender green bean during Quill's lackluster and unimaginative performance, so she came to. Groot pulled himself out of Nebula and hovered above her hairless blue lady business. He grew to the exact size of a perfectly big cock. You know, big, but not like painfully big. I am Groot, he said in a deep, sexy voice. Groot pushed himself all the way into Nebula's pussy while sprouting another, slightly smaller appendage that he slid into her space hole. Nebula cried out in ecstasy as she came like a geyser that hasn't come in a really long time. (laughs) Like a geyser that has only been having sex with clumsy 20-somethings and is now getting fucked properly. She came so hard that Groot shot straight out of her pussy cannon and bounced off the ceiling before falling back down on the exhausted fuck pile. Nebula's cyborg sex nectar must have been some kind of nourishment for Groot because he immediately grew to his full size. He made enough branch arms to cuddle everyone together. <sighs> Hang on. I am Groot indeed, sighed Nebula. Groot snuggled everyone a little closer. We are Groot, he said, and everyone laughed. Thank you. Ah, Douglas Gale. Let's get everybody from round one back out. All right, so round one. Yep, come on out, guys. I'm going to remind you of what everybody read, and then you'll be voting on a winner with your applause. So no voting yet. We started with Sean Murphy with Jeopardy, then Jennifer Burdett with Jaws, Emma Montgomery with the Hamburger Helper Hand, and finally Douglas Gale with Guardians of the Galaxy. So pick a favorite, starting with Sean Murphy, Jeopardy. Jennifer Burdett, Jaws. Emma Montgomery, Hamburger Helper. And Douglas Gale, Guardians of the Galaxy. I believe that's Mr. Emmett Montgomery, your round one champion. In spite of his own predictions before the show, congrats, Emmett. Big round of applause for all the round one comics. Fantastic job, Emmett. That does it for round one. To hear round two, you can download episode 95 next week. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate on iTunes. And for more details on upcoming shows, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking or follow the show at CE Fanfic. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.